Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. We are recording this on Sunday, and the Georgia Tech game's in a few days on Thursday, so we're trying to get this out Monday morning for you guys. And we're pumped about this game, and obviously still disappointed, and just maybe disappointed isn't the right word, but still feeling the effects of the Frank announcement and retirement. But uh, we're excited for how the team will hopefully play this weekend or this week. And Robbie, do you have a cheers that we could do? I do have a cheers that we can do. It's a couple different items that I want to hit, and we'll avoid listing them out too much here. I think it's just two. One, I want to say thanks again for Joe coming on the podcast. It was an awesome time. I don't know what you thought, Pete, but I had a great time. I thought it was a lot of fun. It, it was, was awesome. It was long. We had to turn it into a two-part episode, but you know, long is good when the conversation is you know exciting, and we had a great time. And I think we paid our our kind of um, you know proper amount of respect for our, for a coach. Uh, the other uh, I want to do is, and we're not going to do this all the time, but uh, we had a fan that you know kind of wrote a nice review for us and what we're doing. And at the end of the day, Hokey Kate, a little shout out to her. So, um, you know, we appreciate everybody that listens in. I think we have a couple new listeners, hopefully this week, than we had uh, the week before, given you know, uh, you know, Joe and what he did getting us out there. So, cheers to everybody that listens in, and you know, we hope it's fun for you and you enjoy it as much as we do. Cheers. Cheers, man. Wow. A little rougher than normal. I drank too <laughs> much yesterday. I was just telling Robbie I was not feeling ready for that shot, but there it goes. We had one news item we wanted to mention uh, that Philip Patterson, our commit for the 2016 class wide receiver, uh, decommitted. And that's probably to be expected uh, on the condition that the program's in right now, the fact that we're transitioning into a new coach. Uh, we might see a few more decommitments. He's a good recruit. I'd love to have him back committed to the program, and maybe he will once we announce our coach, who, whoever it may be going forward. But attrition is just part of the game when you're when you're changing your coach so we have to get used to it because it, we haven't changed uh coaches uh you know obviously coordinators we have but for us this is kind of a new a new situation it's to uncharted be territory for tech yeah we're not used to a lot of decommitments it doesn't usually happen to us but this is normal for teams that are changing coaches i think absolutely and you know robbie was saying it kind of seemed like this might even be a soft decommit because we think Patterson does like the university and, and wants to be here. So we'll see what happens. We wanted to do a little bi-week uh, recap of what we've seen from the team so far this season before we get into our GT preview. And I have some numbers here, Robbie, and I'll just let you kind of react to these. We've been – we've kind of moved from the hundreds – into the 80s from the uh, from the Stein Spring or O'Kane Spring <laughs> days into the Loeffler days on offense when I'm talking about FBS rankings. And this year, we all expected to see an improvement because of all the guys we had coming back on offense and the return of Brewer. And I'll tell you where we're at. 86th in total offense yet again. That's pretty much right where we were last year, 373 yards per game. 81st in passing, 80th in rushing. So that's pretty balanced. Yeah. Uh, 99th in tackles for loss allowed and 106th in sacks allowed. So that doesn't make our own line sound very good. And I thought they've actually been playing okay, but some that's of that... A, that's staggering. Yeah. Those numbers don't jive with what I've seen on the field because I it doesn't doesn't feel like the offense has let us down that much. Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you this. When you give up, what was it, seven sacks against Pitt, yeah. that will skew your numbers a little bit. We played a tough Boston College team who... I mean, think of the defenses we face. We face BC, Duke, and NC State. Now, yep. NC State might kind of be fake good, but Duke and BC have guys that can really get in your backfield. So, yes, it's bad to be 106th in sacks allowed, very bad. But you take out the pick game, and we've played some other tough teams. So you can see how it can happen. And I agree. We see how it can happen until the most shocking thing the weekend. I don't want to go off course, but then UNC hanging 66 on Duke. Oh, gosh. I know, right? <laughs> that doesn't look great for us. That, I mean, <laughs> hopefully we can stay in a shootout with UNC because they're going to put up some points on our defense. That was incredible. Yeah, they, they, they kicked Duke's butt uh, yesterday. But 
if you look at our yards per play, so we're 86th in total offense. Our yards per play are actually 103rd. So whenever you go Mm -hmm. deeper into any of the numbers that we have, whether it be offense or defense, it always comes out a little bit worse than you thought it was going to be. Um, Those are the offensive numbers. And this is kind of both sides of the ball. We're 29th in turnover margin out of 128 teams. So that's pretty good. So you take that into account and you're still four and five when you're like, you know, on the plus side of the turnover margin, like we are, it's disappointing. Maybe those are tied together a little bit that, you know, we haven't made any of those kind of, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say dumb mistakes, but we haven't, we haven't turned the ball over. We haven't thrown a lot of interceptions. We haven't had a lot of fumbles. So maybe that kind of relates to why we feel like the offense is better because the big highlight reel, uh, you know, incidents aren't there. That doesn't mean necessarily mean but you're we're taking care of the football decently. That's right. At least yeah. let's go over the defense real quick. Everyone's been kind of ragging on our defense because it's not up to Virginia tech standards, but it's with the, Way college football and all the scoring these days, it's still above average by mm. kind of a significant margin. We're 34th in total defense, giving up 345 yards per game, 17th in passing defense, and but that's mainly because we're 67th against the rush. So teams are they're putting up 166 yards on the ground against us, and me and Robbie have been constantly saying about the running quarterbacks, and a lot of that came, you know, you saw it against ECU and Ohio State and Duke and just people, particularly quarterbacks, running over us because we've done well against traditional running plays. It just always seems to be the quarterbacks. We're 50th in tackles for loss. We get about six and a half per game. And we're 73rd in sacks, which is a massive decline from last year when we were third in sacks in the country. I blame that fully on lobster hands and lobster hand. He, if he lobster hands didn't had five appendages instead of uh, three, then I think we'd be in good shape. It's just crazy because <laughs> we brought back all four defensive linemen and all four backup defensive linemen. And we've dropped from third in sacks to 73rd in sacks. It's incredible. It's, I mean, I'm, it's hard to explain. It really is. I don't, I don't have an explanation. I really don't. No. Uh, maybe it's there's just not a true leader back there. I you know it's hard to say. But yeah, who was the leader that we're missing? Chase Williams. Like no, he's a good player, I think but it, I think it's a couple different. There's no reason to go that much in it. We kind of yeah. are where we are. Yeah. You know, we are who they thought we were. Right. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. That line. Absolutely, Denny Green. Yeah. We're 61st in interceptions, so we're definitely not ball hawking like you said. Our turnover margin is largely due to us just not turning it over as much. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Overall, these defensive numbers, again, like I said about our offensive numbers, let's look a little bit deeper. We're 54th in yards per play overall mm-hmm. as opposed to 35th in total defense. So, again, looking a little bit deeper, it gets a little bit more ugly. Yes, we're 17th in passing defense, but we're 56th in yards per attempt. Yeah. And all, I just want All to, mobile quarterback, I think, <laughs> driven there. Because we no, have yards per attempt through the air. Oh, wow. That's not good. <laughs> so, like, those are, like, right down the middle of the road. Of, of course, these are out of the 128 FBS teams, just so you know where we're getting this. But, yeah, 56th against yard per attempt. So, when teams are passing, you know, we're right down the middle of the road. We're not we're not the DBU as we thought we might have either. And, obviously, we lost Kendall, and we're playing a ton of young guys. In fact, that's the only encouraging thing going forward is that these guys are learning and – Pretty much all of them, except for Donovan Riley, will be back next year in the secondary. It could be, you know, a big boon for us next year. Then again, uh, in terms of returning players, I think I'm going to put zero stock in that after what happened this year. I know it's like <laughs> it's it's really hard because you always think guys will improve. That there's no doubt about it. And judging by our defensive line and even some of the guys in secondary. You know, that hasn't been the case. You know? It also depends on how the the opposite side of the ball is reacting to you. Yeah, When you are that highly touted and we're playing a smallish defense that, you know, are, we don't have a lot of size, when people are preparing for you, they're, the coaches are scheming around that defense, right? So we're not in Alabama where we're putting up people that you basically cannot stop on the defensive line. We're kind of a smallish uh, type group. So if people are scheming around us correctly, we're gonna get we're gonna get hit in the mouth, and it seems like that's happening in a few games, uh, actually a couple then. Yeah, and this year definitely that seems to be the case. I want to just talk about Brewers numbers and just a couple overall things, and then we'll get into Georgia Tech. Brewers quarterback rating uh, is 149. Last year overall it was 117. So he's definitely shown improvement. I know he missed a ton of games. Uh, 
but he definitely looks better to the just the eye test, and it's coming through in his QB rating. And then QBR, ESPN's quarterback efficiency metric, he's 76 this year as opposed to 48 last year. So that's a significant improvement as well. So by any metric, he's improved. His completion percentage is only up a couple points, but his yards per attempt has gone from 6.1 to 7.8. Again, it's not a large sample size for Brewer, but he's gone up against some good defenses, and he's shown improvement. Like it's a, it's a real shame we didn't have him for the whole year because it'd be nice to see these numbers extrapolated. Nevertheless, he does look better, and this is the only time I'll give some credit to Scott Loeffler, I guess, <laughs> right? Because he is good with the quarterbacks. Motley came in and played admirably as a backup, and Brewer does seem improved. Yeah, and I, I imagine I know – Last year, the whole thing with Brewer was the earlier games, he threw a ton of interceptions and then he cleaned things up towards the end, very much so. But I feel like he's on pace. He's not going to, he missed games, right? So he, I feel Absolutely. like he's on pace that per game, he's going to have a lower average of interceptions. I feel like he's protecting the field, the, the football a little bit better this year. It seems that way, especially early on. Uh, a couple overall numbers. So obviously, we've been pumping the Trayvon McMillan button all season and he's on pace for about 900 yards right now and he could get a thousand if we go to a bowl and maybe even if not because the way he's been throwing up the numbers lately the pace isn't really fair because his pace started way later so he's probably on pace for a thousand as it is He's but, sitting on, I think, usually, if you average it out, I'm guessing. He's I don't got have 665 right now. Yeah, but he's probably he's probably rushing about 100 yards a game for most of it. Yeah, I think he had 80 yards. he's been rush. starting, it's definitely over 100. Right. So, I mean, that would put him yeah, on pace. Yeah. If if we go to a bowl, I would say it's it's almost a lock, as long as he doesn't get hurt, that he'll hit 1,000, which would be awesome because we haven't had a 1,000-yard rusher since 2011 with David Wilson. And he's already going to clearly beat out JC and Trey, their last two years of being the leading rusher on the team. So that's pretty awesome. Ford, Isaiah Ford, who we were hoping might get to 1,000 yards this year receiving, is on pace for 820, which is still awesome. He has seven TDs. It would be nice to see him to get to like the 10 TD mark. And maybe if he has a couple of big games, he could get over 900 yards, which would be sweet. Bucky's had kind of a disappointing season. He's only at uh, 380 yards. Five touchdowns, of course, three of them came in one game. But it, if he gets to 500 yards receiving, maybe adds a touchdown or two, I'd still say that's a very successful season for a guy who is still learning his position. And t- a tight end. We treat right. him oftentimes like a wide receiver, but he's a tight end. And when you look at his national stats against other tight ends, he's up there. He's right up there. You're, that's so very true. It's um, it's hard. We we see Bucky, and he's just he's so quick. He's so mobile. We I almost sometimes look at him, and I'm like, oh, he's just another wide receiver, but he's a tight end out there. So it's impressive as well. On the defensive side, I think it, we've been happy with the way Woody filled in for Corey Marshall when he was out. Uh, he's got seven tackles for a loss on the year, which is second to only Deion Clark, and he's got three sacks, which is, I believe, tied for the team lead. And since we'll be losing Marshall and Maddie next year, we're going to need Woody and the other guys to step up. So it's nice to see him kind of come into his own a little bit this year while filling in. And the last guy we have to mention is Adonis Alexander, who as a true freshman is third on the team in tackles. And I, I can't wait to see what his ceiling is because he's been so good. Obviously he's made mistakes. Any freshman's going to do that, but he is going to be a stud for us going forward, and he's already got a full year of experience after this year, and it's just going to be great to see what he can do. Seeing him next year on the field with uh, Faison, that'll be kind of nice. Yeah, just, and uh, Chuck the, Clark should be there, and, Chuck, and Mook. I mean, it's incredible. So, like. yeah, this year we're taking our lumps in the secondary, but it could be really special going forward, hopefully. And I'm just going to do a little draft watch to finish it out. I went on uh, CBS and just saw what their kind of mock draft was and where they're putting our guys. Right now they have Kendall Fuller at 34th, so first to second rounder. Daddy was at 109th, so that's third to fourth rounder. This was kind of interesting. Malik they had as 151st, which is a fourth to fifth rounder, which would be awesome if Malik got drafted. It's not something I had thought a lot about, but he's got typical size and he's got good hands, so why not? And that's that'd be awesome. And then Luther Maddy was right behind Malik at 156th overall. Uh, 
That's a good fourth draft fifth round. for us. Four that, guys that, for us uh, these last couple of years have been a little thin draft wise. I mean, um, we have a, a lot of young talent that's playing right now, and so I think that's I think that's about where I would have expected. It would be this. awesome if all four of these guys got drafted. It it would be really sweet. And I think with Fuller, if he decides to leave, there's obviously he's going first or second round. It would seem. I think after just seeing after what happened with Daddy this year, he's gonna have to. I, yeah. I, first of all, Daddy was never well. He was a sleeper pick for a first or second rounder, but no, I think we all knew that that wasn't going to happen. But just seeing what happened with Daddy, I think Kendall's got to go. I, you know, he's just got to go to the NFL and pursue, you know, his next step in his career. Yeah, I'd probably have to agree. And the last disappointing thing that we've seen over and over again is that out of 128 teams, Virginia Tech is 118th in penalties per game, meaning there's only 10 teams worse than us. In the country, in penalties per game, we're, we have 8.2. We commit 8.2 penalties per game on average. And that's something that this new coaching staff is just going to have to fix. Like, you can't, you cannot be in the bottom 8% it's, of the country in it, penalties. It's gotten worse. I think when we did the B, the BC game was, what, 10 penalties? And I, I don't have it was 11. 11 penalties. That's more because we were talking about nine penalty games. Like, that was bad. And that was earlier in the season. They. Just we just gotta just cut that out. I don't know what it is that's causing it, and maybe it's because, like we said, we have a lot of young talent on the field, and you know they're they're going to cause penalties. But I haven't broken it down. I don't know where the penalties are coming from in terms of tenure with the program, but that maybe is a contributor. That and there's there's better penalties than others in the sense that like unforced errors, as opposed to like holding, is not as bad as, as like a false start. You know, like there's different ways to view them, and I'd like to potentially see that breakdown. But you know what? I don't really have to because it's just going to make me mad. So just fix, let's <laughs> just, just fix less penalties. It. Yeah, <laughs> just less penalties, guys. Whoever the new coach is, fix it. Uh, let's take a beer break, and then we'll come back with our GT preview. I had a couple drinks of this beer, and I like it a lot. I know. I'm kind of like overly excited about this one because. I had it yesterday for the first time, and it's a dogfish head beer. And I'm from Delaware, so naturally I've got a soft spot for dogfish head. It's from Rehoboth. And this beer is called Pennsylvania Tuxedo. And it's a a nice pale ale, but it's brewed with what they call spruce tips. So it basically kind of smells and tastes like a Christmas tree. And I was blown away yesterday when I tried it for the first time. I'm like, this is shockingly good and unique. I know that doesn't seem appetizing to some people, but it it really is. And I'm a, I'm not a person that would necessarily like you know kind of Christmassy beers. This is delicious. It's got it's not um, very piney. It's just kind of like got a like a little like kind of sweet back end that it's you can almost actually, like a like that gin like that whatever that flavored gin has yeah, where pine like, yeah. where they make tangeray out of right. you know, what you do gin out of yeah, absolutely it's kind of like that kind of accent flavor but on a beer and it's eight and a half percent alcohol and it's awesome it's called pennsylvania tuxedo and it's kind of funny because it's got these these guys dressed in the full red uh and black wool rich flannel on the front like the hunter gear and uh that's the pennsylvania tuxedo and it's good it's fantastic so we all know Georgia Tech's head coach, Paul Johnson, kind of a jerk. He's 61 and 41 in his eighth season at Georgia Tech, and he's got a 38 and 24 ACC record. So definitely better than the majority of the coastal teams. In fact, for a while there, it was us and, and GT trading off. This year, Georgia Tech is three and six. They're one and five in the ACC, and this is their worst record through nine games since 94, uh, which I was shocked by they they've been to a bowl 18 straight seasons and they have like they had high hopes coming into this year and they might miss a bowl game so it's been rough for georgia tech and overall since they joined the acc we're eight and four against them we've kind of had their number and before last year in a game we completely blew we had won four straight against georgia tech so we should have won the game last should have been five straight really if it wasn't for that fourth down conversion and a million other things that went wrong, including play calling. But, Robbie, do you have any overall thoughts on Georgia Tech this year? I mean, like I, I said, they have been disappointing. Yeah, if things weren't already going bad enough for them, they found a way to lose to UVA, 27-21. 
further, that was a garbage time TD that they had at the end with a minute 30 left. So really, this game was 27-14. That is atrocious. Oh, you I, mean a week after they beat a top 10 F- Florida State team? That's where I was going. Is how, this, is, uh, this is a Jekyll and Hyde program. And guess what? It's been a lot more Jekyll, I think, than it has been Hyde. It's outrageous that they lost that game. Their only wins this year are Alcorn State, Tulane, and FSU. And I'm not trying to put them down. I'm just trying to put it in perspective what we're going up against this this year. This was also a sleeper pick to make the playoff by a, a lot of national pundits, not just like kind of on the fringe guys, but a lot of people thought that they could because they were returning Justin Thomas. Um, and they had and North, they had um, ND, they had Clemson, FSU, and Georgia on the, the the schedule. So they had the schedule to do something great this year, and it's been far less than great. I'll say they have that schedule, though, not the Georgia team because they haven't played them yet. But like that's tough. Notre Dame, Clemson, Florida State, and they actually beat Florida State, but they they already played UNC, correct? Who's mm-hmm. been very much a nice surprise this year. Yeah. And they went up against Pitt, who's obviously been above average, and it's a pretty solid team. I mean, they have faced a lot of winning teams. I I agree, but, but the fact they, that they're only they're good wins, yeah, they're only they have they're, one good win, and it's a shockingly good win. But they only have one, like you said, Tulane and Alcorn State. That's your only other wins. I can't even believe they won the FSU game. Obviously, they won it on a miracle, but the game was tied, so it's not like they were necessarily going to lose anyway. It's just crazy that they were able to beat FSU. They kind of just played out of their minds that night, very similar to our Ohio State win last year, potentially. But, yeah, this Georgia Tech team has been bad. And some of that has been because they have been crushed by injuries. We talked about Boston College's injuries last week, and I hadn't realized just how badly Georgia Tech had been had – been, the injury bug had bitten them. And they lost five guys for the season before it even started. Mm-hmm. And I also read this thing today that – out of the 22 starters on opening day, eight of them have missed starts this year. That's so incredible. it's almost half of their team has missed starts, and that's not including the five guys who were already out. So they've definitely had some tough luck. The problem, I think, on the – and we're sticking with the offensive side of the ball for them is their rushing offense is 22nd in the nation. That would normally be good for people, but rushing offense for a triple option team should be first in the nation every time. Or at least top <laughs> or at least five. Navy. At least yeah. Navy should be ahead of them and they should be number two. They like you are giving so many chances for, for that to be a positive statistic. That's not good for a triple option. So the triple option we know it's very annoying to watch as the opposing team and you obviously the quarterback is is just like in any offense is the linchpin of this whole thing. They have their B backs, which they their job is to fall forward up the middle, and they have their A backs, which are to hit the corners and catch the pitches. And basically, they have usually high yard per carry averages. And the B backs are you know you more of your power big guy backs that will be your three to four to five yards per carry. And that's pretty much how this has played out so far. Justin Thomas is their quarterback and. He's returning, and there was some hope that, you know, he since the run they went on last year and beating M- MSU in the Orange Bowl, that once you have that quarterback like Josh Nesbitt was for them years ago, the team is just good. Regardless, plug and play the, the running backs, and the team will just be good. And Thomas hasn't been great. 43% completion percentage, which that doesn't really tell the story of why he's not great because their job really isn't to pass that much. Except but, he did pass six interceptions. So if they're not <laughs> going to pass that much, then I hope that he gets better than because he has 12 TDs passing six interceptions. So yeah. to your point, yeah. Only three and a half yards per carry, another six TDs rushing, but quarterbacks are bound to pile up stats in this offense. And in the UVA game, since they were down, like you were saying, he had to pass 30 times. He only had 13 completions. And that's kind of how his percentage goes throughout the entire year. He's not an accurate passer, and if they have to rely on him, if we can get up on him, it's going to be a big problem for them. That's just not a possibility. But even in his pitches, they've been sloppy, and some of their running backs have been good, even though they're backup guys, some of them, because 
we've just said like they've they lost I think it was two A backs and two B backs in the preseason. Right. And or maybe one of them was during the season. But regardless, they've lost two of their rotation guys at each of those running back positions. And he has been sloppy because he's had he's had nine fumbles. Only five of them were lost, so they recovered four of them. But if your guy and your guy under center is the one letting up nine fumbles First of all, those are on the ground. That's anybody's game right there. That, that They're is lucky to have gotten that many back. That's right. So at the running back position, they've had a couple of bright spots and some interesting guys too. Uh, Marcus Marshall is a freshman. He's one of their B-backs. 64 carries, 526 yards, 8.2 yards per carry. And that's darn good for a B-back. And he tacked on four touchdowns, including in, on top of that. And then Patrick Scove, uh, He's going for 4.1 yards per carry, and he has six TDs and another two receiving. So it's a lot of production out of those B-backs. I mean, that's that's 12 touchdowns combined between those two guys. And Scove is actually, if you remember Shane Scove from Stanford, he actually played on both sides of the ball for Stanford. And Patrick Scove is his brother and is a transfer from Stanford. And he was he came in as a graduate this year to mainly like help GT get over the top and like maybe make that playoff like you were talking about. And he even joked about maybe going up against his brother in the playoff. Well, That's what he was hoping. Or up against his, his former school in the playoff. And they might be there, but Georgia Tech is definitely not going to be there. That's right. Uh, their A-backs, uh, Clinton Lynch had a breakout game against UVA. He had uh, two TDs in that game and was just awesome. Uh, nine and a half yards per carry on the season, which is kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I guess their other A back, there's a couple guys because Snotty has been hurt. Yeah. Uh, he's averaging 10.9, but like it's only on 16 carries. And I think he's going to be back in this game. And then there's another guy, Isaiah Willis. And are those the guys that you had down? That's what I had. And we only, I only have one wide receiver, obviously, because that doesn't really matter in this program. And uh, I think that was Ricky. <laughs> June, if I'm uh, yeah, I think it's Ricky June. He's got five receptions for 103 yards in that game against uh, UVA. That was actually his like kind of breakout game. Well, they had to pass the ball so much, (laughs) yeah, because the 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 run got shut down. Which we'll tie this into what we have to do. And I know we always say stop the run, but against the triple option, stop the run is always kind of you know that's case. It's just like yeah, that's it's a you know you have to do that, so it's not creative to say that. And there's some ways that we've been able to shut them down. I guess one other guy I wanted to mention, he's a true freshman, and they burned his red shirt a couple weeks ago, uh, Mikel Lance Davis. He's uh, kind of been more of a threat out of the backfield receiving. He has uh, seven receptions and 69 yards in just a couple games and a touchdown. And they've been using him, and I think he was kind of a highly touted guy they really like, so I wanted to mention him as well. Their O-line has been bad. They were They were going to return four starters before they lost Chris Griffin before the season. And last week against UVA, uh, Divine, I believe it was, didn't play. So they had like a freshman come in as a backup. And he had started all the games before the UVA game. So they were down to like three regular starters in that game. And they were just awful against UVA. Good, like very good against FSU and just awful. And part of that's going to be explained when we get to the defensive side of the ball, which is even. That's where the in- some of the injuries have been even more decimating. Which yes. the, one of them was during the UVA game, so it could be it could be a tough game for them uh, against us. And said differently, there is no excuse for us if we can't play well against them, especially when we get to the defensive side of the ball. So, Robbie, you got something pretty nice over there. What are you drinking? You bought it, Pete. All right, let's be honest here. You you found you found great beer here and it's a a one-time release from dogfish head and it's the 20th uh i think year that they've been producing beers as a brewery and it's the higher math this beer is amazing it has so much flavor it's a chocolate and i think Chocolate has a little bit of cherry in it, they say, that in it. It's kind of like a cheesecake almost. Like it's got a lot of flavor to it. Do you like it? I mean, it's I think it's, it's really amazing. good. And the thing is, it's seventeen percent alcohol. So it's it's more than most wines out there in terms of alcohol. And you yes, you can tell like it's powerful when you drink it, but for what it is, like you really wouldn't know. It's very smooth, like not really carbonated. Um and you can tell I was in Delaware this weekend because these are obviously both Dogfish Head, and that's the best brewery from the state. And it's 
it's just a great beer. It's their higher math. Like Robbie said, it's their 20th anniversary, one-time release um, celebration beer. And if you can get a hold of some, I highly recommend it. It's not cheap, but it's very good. We just went full beer snob on this episode. It's actually, (laughs) but guess what? It's well worth it because the taste is incredible. Well, we're coming off those PBRs, so we kind of had to like, (laughs) we had to, you know, step it up a little bit with the, uh, with these two beers that we're drinking tonight. But I want to talk about the GT defense. And this is a unit that year after year seems to be obviously the less troublesome part of this team. Like they're never seemed to be that good. And this season they really thought this was going to be a breakthrough defense for them. And that's arguably been more disappointing than the play of Justin Thomas and, and just their injuries in general. Like the defense has not been good. They're 43rd overall in total D 76th against the rush. And they're giving up a 4.4, uh, tackles for loss. They only, I'm sorry. They only get 4.4 tackles for loss per game, which is 118th. They are not, they don't have a pass rush. They're 104th in sacks. They can't get after the quarterback at all. Their D line is pretty weak and just got weaker because of all the injuries they've had, they probably just had their most significant one. They lost Adam Gatsis. He's a senior three-year starter defensive tackle, probably the best defensive player on their team. He had 31 tackles this year, which is a lot for a defensive tackle. Five tackles for loss and three sacks. And this is a team who only has 13 sacks on the year. So, Well, I'd say it's even worse than that because it's not a great occurrence for a team that four of their last five opponents, I think, going at, like after the UVA game, rushed for 200 yards or more. That's not that's not great. That's, <laughs> that's really bad. I Yeah, I had something similar. They've given 187 yards uh, on the ground per game in October. So over the last five games, they're nearly giving up, like Robbie said, 200 yards per game. It's It's been rough, and the fact that they just lost Gossis in the middle, uh, this is an area we might want to exploit. And they, on top of that, I think Jabari Hunt, who is their, one of their defensive backs, he is out because he violated team rules. We'll never know what that is. but So they're also losing. They I, lost another. I think it was – yeah, that's a defensive tackle too, Hunt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. So yeah. – yeah, they they're extremely weak at tackle. They're gonna have, uh, I think it's if I'm pronouncing this right, Serge Henderson. It's a hyphenated name, and uh, Francois Callon. They're gonna play alongside Patrick Gamble in the middle. Uh, he has two and a half tags for loss, and he's a solid player. But those other two guys are really just felt like like no one trusts them, and they're hurting at defensive tackle. They're weak up the middle. Their defensive ends have been okay. They like I said, they don't get out to the quarterback very much. Freeman is pretty good. He's got three sacks, and he's fourth on the team in tackles as a defensive end, so that's pretty good. Uh, and Simmons on the other end, three tackles for loss on the year. Neither one of them is lighting the world on fire, but Freeman's a pretty good player. Their linebackers are good statistically. I'm not sure if that's out of necessity because of the defensive line play. Yeah, P.J. Davis is all right. I mean, he's good he's got decent stats for the year i mean he has six tackles for a loss i think he had 51 tackles you know total he is their leading tackler but he also is not somebody that i would really think of as this whole defensive line and it's not something that i'm actually that davis is not steven daniels from last week for boston college not even close and then there's tyler uh mccordis 39 tackles he's third on the team Five and a half tackles for loss. So both of those guys have have gotten in the backfield a little bit, but nothing nothing crazy. And their last, I think their last linebacker is Mitchell, and you know he's got mediocre numbers. The DBs, the free safety uh, Golden, he's good. Jamal Golden, yep, he's a good player. Four uh, pass breakups. He's got an interception on the year, and I think he's got another, you know, thirty nine tackles, which uh, that's you know impressive for him. They've got a, actually a pretty good tackling secondary, and they've needed it. But uh, DJ White at CB, and then uh, Desmond Smith, who actually is a little banged up, but he plays strong safety for them. They're both good tacklers. White has two interceptions on the year, and uh, Chris Milton. He's another guy with four pass breakups, and he's got a pick on the year. He also has 20 solo tackles, so he can definitely get you down on Milton. But if we're already in the secondary, yeah. I like our chances. Exactly. I don't want to spend much more time on this defense. I really I, don't think we have to. 
I think if this defense comes into play, it's more a fault of us than it is for them. You know, you say, I mean, like, right. Exactly. Like either they have a lights out game, which they've shown, I guess, through the season that they're probably not going to do it. It's going to be more at the fault of us not playing to our potential. I completely agree. And I want to ask you about, let's go over our, our keys to the game and we'll start with this side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And because of the loss of guys just in the middle, they're playing these backups, a defensive tackle. I mean, Trayvon could have a huge day. Run the ball down their throat. And uh, I mean, we're Virginia Tech. We always do that. But this more, like, one, they're susceptible to the run anyway. They've shown it through all their stats of the year. They've shown it all their games. But it's even more important in this game for us to just just run the ball as much as possible. In the middle, on the outside, I, and I I want to see Sam and Trayvon a ton in this game, and play them like the A back and B back if you want. <laughs> Sam being the B back, that's and right. Trayvon being the A back, and and right. mix it up. I'm just kind of kidding around, but we should get 200 yards rushing in this game. There's really no excuse not to. This is a very bad defensive line, and it got worse. Yep. Now they played well against FSU, but you know the guy who was unblockable against FSU is Adam Gatsis, and he's not there anymore. Yep. So. Let's go with Trayvon. Brewer should have a good game as well. I mean, our guys, Ford gets open every game. Nice. He'll have his catches. Brewer could easily go for 200 yards. And we should really have 400 yards of offense in this game. There's really no excuse not to. It would be bad if we didn't get 400 yards. And offense. I think a point total is reasonable to think we'll put up 25, 30 points. Yeah. I don't see any reason why we shouldn't. The other side of the ball gets a little bit more interesting, which is I think, and it's a stat I brought up earlier, people have done well about shutting these guys down on third down. And Paul Johnson on the triple option, the the whole key to that type of offense is that if you get to third down, you can still get a first down, right? And they haven't done that at all this year. The only game that they did it was in UVA. That's when they started to turn it on. Other than that, they're ranked 118th in the nation on third down. So we got to bring the house on third down because when you – you shut that down, and they lose their mojo, and they lose the bread and butter of a Paul Johnson offense, which is the ability to actually get first downs easily with the run game without much risk because there's not going to obviously be an interception. If we can shut that down like every other team has done except for UVA, that's a huge boon for us. It's funny. I, I like was getting excited because like that's exactly what Bud's going to do. Yep. You know he's going to just bring it on mm-hmm. third down. Like, that's what he does. Yep. So that's good news. We need good linebacker play, and this is something we've been banging all year. But Clark and Moto have to have a good game. This is one of the most important games for them to have a good game. But what I'm really happy about, and one of the reasons we lost last year, wasn't this the game that Luther had to leave in? Yep. I think this is the game. He only had, like, I think two tackles in this game because I think he had to leave early. And Luther has played this defense for five years. Yeah. He knows, he knows exactly, it pretty well. <laughs> he knows exactly what his responsibilities are. And the way he's been playing lately has me really excited. He's had a bye week to rest. I just think Luther is going to have a big game getting in the backfield. And he's going to open things up for our other guys on the D-line. And it should help out our linebackers because whenever he plays well, it helps everyone else. And – he knows how to play against this offense. So it does, I, I'm it does make you that. a little frightened about not having chase though. The, uh, yeah. You can t- considering his, uh, you know, how he controlled the defense in a lot of different respects. And he's seen that, but be- he had seen that before, I guess is the best way to characterize. It. Yeah. And it's, and definitely, cause he was way better at the read and react stuff, which we've struggled against. And as I said, at the beginning of the show, we've been good against real running plays but we've been bad against read and react or quarterback running plays. And that's what this entire offense is. It's a mixture of both, but so much of it is it's an option. So it's, it's read and react and you have to make the right call. And we saw some of that again. I mean, Moto, it, you want to talk about Jekyll and Hyde. Moto has been Jekyll and Hyde because we <laughs> saw him make correct reads in that BC game, but the game right before it, it was ugly as all get out. So, We've had the bye week to rest. We've got Frank's announcement and what should be the added motivation for all of these players to play as hard as they 
they can. There should be a ton of motivation in this game for what's happening. I the energy should be explosive. It's a Thursday night game, which we always love. It's a Thursday even in Georgia Tech, we've played well down there. Yeah, I mean, uh, an away game doesn't really matter. We like Thursday night games as Virginia Tech. That's what we've you know we've buttered our bread on Thursday night games, home or away. That's what we do, and there should be a ton of motivation for us to play for coach. And if there isn't, I speak. I think that speaks volumes to a lot of bad <laughs> things that could happen against a team like UNC. So I think we really need to turn it on here. I just don't see it happening I, I, in terms of us playing like laying an egg. I just don't see it happening. And since this team is so bad and giving up tackles for loss, they're 75th in the country, I just – I think we can definitely be in that backfield, and that's the kind of thing that will fire up this defense and just get us going. So I'm excited to see how we'll play. I've got the line here, and I I won't say that I'm surprised because both us and Georgia Tech have been disappointing. But they've got Georgia Tech as a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Obviously, they're at home. So I could see it, but that's a little bit much for a team that's played as badly as Georgia Tech and is as banged up as Georgia Tech. A hundred percent agree. I, I, yeah, that's a, that line is stupid. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I hope I mean, it's stupid. No, it should, it should be a pick them. I think uh, because maybe, nobody knows why you give them one and a half yeah, for being at home. That doesn't make any sense. And this is coming from a betting perspective is, are you going to give up the, the field goal? Right. That's where you're talking about here. And, I I would actually have them, like you said, either a pick em or like a one-and-a-half-point favorite, something along those lines. I wouldn't give up three-and-a-half if I'm a bookie. I, and guess what? I, we've seen Paul Johnson more times, and Bud Foster has seen more times than the bookies probably have seen in, in Vegas. So I think that is a stretch to actually have it at three-and-a-half. Not to say that they won't cover and you know they won't beat us by seven, but... That's a I ex- big, big line. I for expect this game. it to come down. Like yeah. I would expect it to come down, maybe to two and a half over the next couple of days. Uh, I expect some money to go on VT, and I think both of us buy this. Like we're, we would take VT. I mean, three point game. I at, at worst, I would think that's what it's going to be. That if we were going to lose this game, it'd be by three or so. So, like I, I mean, I would take Tech on the points. If you're giving me three and a half, I'd take the points. And how 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 do you quantify how pissed off our players can be that it's Beamer's last three games? Like he's gonna, they're the players are gonna come out fired up, regardless of whether you know it's an away game, but they're gonna come out fired up. I think Vegas likes something having to do with GT. It makes me a little bit nervous, but I think safe to say both Robbie and I are taking that three and a half. We're gonna move on to some other picks uh, before we end the show tonight, and. Pitt at Duke. It's an interesting game. A couple weeks ago, this game would have had a little bit more cachet, but Pitt's going to Durham. They are uh, Duke is three and a half point favorites. It's high noon kickoff. Uh, this is tough. Uh, again, the this three is and a half very point tough line. Pick. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'll, I'll put my throat out there first because this is a tough one to pick in general. I'm going to go Duke on this for a bounce back. They just got curb stomped by UNC, so I feel like they're going to have some energy and want to prove themselves. That's about the only reason that I have it. Pitt's coming off two tough losses, UNC and Notre Dame, two good teams. Man, I just, I don't know. I didn't think Duke was that good when we played them and they got the best of us. I don't like Duke. I, I'll take the points, and I think I think Pitt's going to cover that three and a half and maybe win outright. Next game is NC State at Florida State. Florida State's nine and a half point favorites, which might be a little lower, and maybe that's partially because they started Sean McGuire last week. Um, bold strategy. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. No, you're yeah, you're reversing course at this point. <laughs> but uh, NC State got a nice win. They beat BC. I mean, I'll say it's a nice win because I just think BC has had some tough luck, and they always play tough. But NC State got a win. They're six and three now. Florida State seven and two. In Tallahassee, man, this is tough. I, I, mean, I think you have to go Florida State here, right? And for the same reason, the bounce back theory, right? They're bounce back, but maybe they just had a let. There could be a letdown spot too, though, because they just had a chance. They were in that game against Clemson for a while. Yeah, 
No, you might be right. I, these games are just, they're so brutal. Like, the, the, the lines are so tight and the ACC, it's ridiculous. Like, there's... I think, I w- I think I'm going to take NC State. And the reason being is I just, I think Florida State's going to be a little deflated. They were already, sure, they beat Syracuse in the week between uh, Georgia Tech and Clemson. But have we seen anything great from Florida State at all? Besides Dalvin Cook. Dalvin which, Cook but is, Dalvin Cook's yeah, the only would, great part of Florida State. That's true. But I like NC Ever State. Golson is – and he may not even be playing at this point. Like, I mean, we'll just, see, like, right? That that nobody's happy with him. And he hasn't actually been throwing a lot of interceptions like he did when he was at Notre, Notre Dame. But, yeah, I agree with you. It's a tough pick. I don't, I don't think that – and I don't think anybody would be surprised if that goes one way or the other. So who are you going with on the spread? I think I'm going to go Florida State. All right. Our next game is Virginia. Jimbo, I'm going to take. <laughs> like nine times, if, like, if it's that close, I'm going to take Jimbo. We've got UVA at Louisville. And Louisville is 10-point favorites. Louisville, <laughs> Virginia's coming off that big win over Georgia Tech. They are now 3-6. and six. They've beaten Syracuse and Georgia Tech. And uh, Louisville's 5-4. and four. Bouncing back after a tough start. I I like Louisville in this game. It's in Louisville. They got a tough defense. Virginia's offense is like pretty putrid in general. And not that Louisville's any great shakes on offense. I just like Louisville. Even though it's ten points, Agreed. I just think they're gonna cover. I agree. I I don't think that I think that is one of the one I'm more sure of for this week. I think that they're gonna do well. This one could be fun, and it's uh, as long as Kaya's playing Miami at North Carolina. And North Carolina is ranked number 17th in the AP poll. They're still getting no love in the in the playoff poll. We'll see if that changes on Tuesday. But uh, UNC is an 11.5-point favorite after their beatdown of Duke over Miami. And Miami, we know, is not very good, but that's a lot of points. And they can, they can throw it around, and UNC's defense isn't great. And they're definitely not great against the run. And Yerby is a dangerous back. I'm going to take Miami. 11 and a half. Even though Miami's on the road, I'll take the points. I'll take UNC to score 60 again. Oh, that's that I They literally smacked everybody in the face with that game against Duke. And they were not getting any respect. They continued to not get any respect, and everybody was saying, oh, well, UNC, they didn't make it into, you know. They weren't even in the top 25 until what, this week? This is the first time they, or they last in, week. Uh, they were in last week in the AP, but not in the committee rankings. Right. So I think they're going to come out with a little bit, and Marquise, I think he looks good. I mean, he's he's making a few mistakes here and there but overall, he's been on a tear yeah he I mean, has been he's on a tear. mostly he's been throwing bombs and since the south carolina game his qb rating is like through the roof yeah he's been amazing so i i feel like they're gonna take it down and you know if not then hey we want unc to look as good as possible because they're coming to Blacksburg, and as you know, we're pushing Beamer. the game day for Frank. We're getting so no, the game better is coming for Frank. The better UNC looks, they go nine and one, and they crush Miami. You know, that's the the more likely game day would be willing to come because it's a better matchup at that point. Because yeah. Carolina is likely going to be the representative from the coastal, and whatever we're rooting for Carolina. Be I North still Car- like it's going to be UNC versus Clemson unless something crazy happens. That's yeah. what I still like Miami out. with the 11 and a half, but we're rooting for UNC in that game. Clemson at Syracuse Clemson, number one Clemson going to the carrier <laughs> dome, 26 and a half point favorites. A lot of points. Let's do this fast. I like Q's in the dome. What do you like? I kind of like your, you convinced me a little bit that they, they could cover it. Uh, I think it could be a letdown in the opposite direction. When you're doing that well and you come off of a game that, that was that important that you may not be on your – you know you're going to beat Syracuse, right? I mean, I, I hope. Yeah, I mean, FSU purposely Jesus and baby Dalvin Jesus if they don't them. like actually beat Syracuse. But you may not beat them by as much as you should because you're kind of in a letdown spot. Like, So I agree with you. I kind of like the – the thought of Syracuse covering. And the example I gave Robbie earlier was just what happened when LSU went to the carrier dome, (laughs) Syracuse covered and it was in it in the first half. So last game and the worst game, Wake Forest at Notre Dame, number five, Notre Dame. Uh, 
They are 27 and a half point favorites over the Demon Deacons. And I I don't know. I mean, what do you want me to do with this? Big Bill Fuller? <laughs> we've been taking Wake a lot and no. on almost four touchdowns, it's I can't well, not take them. It was funny watching the game that like they never double teamed Fuller. Like he literally against Pitt. how many he had like four touchdowns or something like that. Like it was ridiculous. He is a monster. So I'm gonna go with what my gut tells me, and that's always gonna be Wake Forest. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's well that's, said yeah that's, uh that's yeah I, I think i like wake i mean like i said almost four touchdowns notre dame they they beat a decent pit team and they've got stanford on the horizon i just think that that's a lot of points i'll take them and that's what basically was the theme for this entire is like give me the points but give anyway points. uh that's gonna do it for our picks i don't think we have anything we want to end with uh no it was a good week last week like robbie said we were just so happy to have Joe on and him to uh, to blast us out there and the retweets and the uh, and the post on the key play. It was really awesome. I hey, tweet out uh, game day for Frank. Obviously, everybody that's probably listening into this has, but if you haven't, get that message out there as much as possible because I do think it's actually starting to have an impact because game day has made a lot of innuendos about including uh, one of the signs that was at in Tuscaloosa for that game. The most highly retweeted sign was a Virginia Tech. That doesn't make any sense. It's awesome. Like th- that's your game. The Alabama. snowball like, get with the program. that Joe started is now rolling, you know, yeah. real fast down the mountain. And I think you, both you and I are, are like, I know I'm going to try to go to the game. You may try to go to the game. UNC? Yes. Oh, I'm there. I'm there. It's already done. I'm sleeping in my car. I've been talking to people all weekend about, like, they're trying to get tickets. They're trying to go. Like, it is going to be insane in Blacksburg that weekend. So, if you can go, go, because Frank's last game will be awesome. And we're going to actually try and figure out when we can meet up together with Joe and all the crew. And if people are going to be at that game, uh, I think we can make it happen that we can all just meet up, you know, that weekend at like a bar or something like that. Absolutely. And we'll give you the details on the podcast. Make sure to follow us. We're at 2DeepVT. Email us, 2DeepVT at gmail.com. And like we said, Hooky Kate, thanks again. Try to give us an iTunes review if you can. Uh, it would be awesome. I know it takes a, a couple minutes, but it would really help us out if you throw us a review. And we'll be back, uh, I guess, next week. But I'm going to, again, I'm going to try to get out a game song for Georgia Tech. And until next week when we're previewing, hopefully game day. That's right. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.